Yes, great job, Rick. And that was sponsored by the Merrimans in appreciation of our new and organist, Rick. Charles Marie uh, is called Vidor. I wish we had a song I'd recognize. Uh, lunch and worship coming up, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday. Holy yoga starts tomorrow. It's at uh, 9.15, bring your own mat. And then holy chair yoga at 10.15. Also, uh, Pathways, January 26, 1 p.m. in the town square. Also, we're doing some care packages for the hungry and the homeless. There's a list of things you can bring uh, to Redeemer, to donate, that's on the back of your bulletin. And there'll be a table in the town square. Also, January 28th, Men's Breakfast, Reverend Ron Farah. We're talking about transitions in life. Vicar Jimmy's not here today. He's at St. Louis Seminary for a class, Scripture and Faith. And Friday will be the call service. Obviously, he knows where he's going, but there's a formal call service. And if you want to watch that, just go to Fort, uh, St. Louis Seminary website. And it's uh, this Friday at 10.30 a.m. Also, once you hit a certain age, we're not going to sing happy birthday to young, really young people, but we have somebody, Polly Ann, Stan, 95 today, so let's sing happy birthday. help with church uh, decorating on decorating we would really appreciate it we rise for opening him
make our beginning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. invite the children to come forward for the children's message. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here today. It's so good to see you. You know, I don't buy many books any longer because we get everything at the computer. But I remember I bought this book at seminary and it was $24.45. I kept the price tag on there because I thought, I'm going to remember how expensive this book was. Doesn't seem much like now, but it seemed like a lot then. In fact, it meant so much to me. I didn't want to lose this book, so what do you do? What do you do when you want somebody? Oh, lock it up, true, okay. <laughs> or what could you do like on the front page? Write your name. Yeah, I wrote my name on there. So everybody knows this is my book. It's the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament. Sounds. Exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> when you go to Matthew chapter 28, it's got all the Greek words, and Jesus tells his disciples, he's about to go to heaven, he says, go into all the world, teaching people about me. And he also says to do something. Here's the word right here, baptismo. What do you think baptismo is? Baptism, yes, baptize all nations. You know, when you were baptized, God wrote his name on you. You belong to him. And so we always take a lot of comfort knowing that God has claimed us. So today, guess what you're getting? Some pencils so you can write your name in your books and be reminded that God wrote his name on you. I want to thank you for coming up. The Old Testament reading for this morning is found in the book of Isaiah, 43rd chapter. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who was called by my name, who am I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is found in the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Here ends the epistle reading.
Please rise for the gospel. This morning's reading is taken from the Gospel of St. John, the first chapter. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Here ends the Gospel. We now confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father
and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One day, Pastor Rickert and I were doing a baptism on a Sunday morning. And if you ever notice, we don't say the child's name, even though it's in the bulletin, it's in our program we're using, uh, until it's spoken by the parents. We're tipping our hat to the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we were told circumcision was a foreshadowing of baptism. And so the child's name at a circumcision was not spoken by anyone until it was spoken by the parents. And so we do the same thing in baptism. So Pastor Rickard has the part of reading he or she. Well, whatever gender the child was, he got it wrong. <laughs> he got it wrong the whole time. And I, I told him afterwards, I said, we've got to add a, a little ceremony before the baptism. And he said, what's that? I said, the lifting of the gown. <laughs> you know, you read the Gospels, and all of a sudden you keep hearing baptism, baptism, baptism. Uh, nothing in the Old Testament, really. What, what, what is this, a new thing? Did John the Baptist invent baptism? And his was a baptism of repentance. And what's interesting, connecting to last Sunday when we talked about the Feast of Trumpets, that is a repented time of year for the Jews, and his was a baptism of repentance. So he baptizes Jesus. Now what does Jesus do? He sort of copies John at his ascension, changes the words a little, but he couldn't come up with something new. He said, baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then you get to the day of Pentecost. They're at the temple. The Holy Spirit moves the apostles to speak in tongues. We're told over 3,000 people came to believe that day, over 3,000, and they were baptized. There's no natural water by the temple. How in the world could you baptize over 3,000 in mercy, not just sprinkle like we do? How could that be possible? There has to be a link in the Old Testament to baptism. And you go to the first time that water is mentioned. You go to Genesis chapter 1. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. Gathered. The Hebrew word, mikvah. Now, in Ezekiel, we hear, is this a foreshadowing of baptism? I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. You look like at Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah is using trees as a metaphor. And he talks about two different types of trees. One that is healthy because it's receiving water, and the others that are withering. The ones that are withering are the people who are disobeying the Word of God. Those who are believing and trusting in the Word of God are flourishing. He says in verse 13, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. Actually, the word translated hope is also mikvah. It can be translated hope or gathering of water. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Are these all foreshadowings? <coughs> it's interesting. The Jews had a ceremonial washing. They were called mikvahs. They would be built into the ground. You know, John the Baptist is usually, usually natural water. 
but they would be built in the ground, these mikvahs, and you could step down and be immersed. And there are a number of reasons that you would go through the mikvah. Now, the mikvah was viewed by the Jews as a tomb and a womb. <coughs> it is where something died, and it's where something comes back to life. Colossians 2, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave you all your sins. Doesn't that sound like he's referring to a mikvah? A tomb in a womb? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Romans 6. Paul is picking up on the mikvah, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Think of a mikvah. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You certainly have that image of a, a mikvah. When, first Peter, when Peter writes in 1 Peter about Noah's Ark, the flood, he says, in it only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The mikvah, that spiritual bath, is a foreshadowing of baptism. It doesn't cleanse the body, it cleanses the conscience. Believing in the resurrection is our assurance of forgiveness and salvation. Martin Luther, every morning and every night, would remember his baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I see a number of you crossing yourself when we do the invocation. We start the service with the words you were baptized in. Listen to John. Some, some people come out to question John about what he's doing. To this, John replied, this is John the Baptist, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of them. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. Notice the bridegroom. When a Gentile converted to Judaism. He had to go through the mikvah. In the Torah, the traditional law of the Jews, or the Talmud, I'm sorry, it is written, when he comes up after his immersion, he is deemed an Israelite in all respects. It also says somewhere else in the Talmud about the, the mikvah, like a child newly born. Mikvah has to be connected to baptism. And when a bride was to get married, she would take a mikvah, the ceremonial washing. 
Did you hear John talk about Jesus as the bridegroom? When Jesus says, I go prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. That's all wedding talk. That's all wedding talk. After the proposal, the man, the groom, would go to his father's house and build an addition. Remember, Jesus said, I don't know what day or hour I'll return. Only my father knows. Huh. It wasn't up to the groom to determine when the room was ready. And you can imagine he's pretty anxious. You know, oh, I got a fridge and a bed. What else do I need? But the father would come in and say, no, 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 I, I know your mom. And you know what? Throw some paint on the wall, hang some pictures. And it was up to the dad to tell him when to go get the bride. This is all wedding talk. All wedding talk. At the formal proposal, the father would pay money for the bride. Isn't that payment, Jesus? The father making payment to have us as the bride? It certainly is. Also, the groom, well, first of all, many times the father chose the bride. What's interesting, scripture tells us before creation, God has chosen us to be his. Also, the groom would come with a chalice with wine. He would present it to the future bride, and he would say, this is a covenant in my blood. He's saying, I'm willing to die for you. It's all wedding talk in the upper room. This is the new covenant in my blood. When the disciples drink of the cup, they are accepting to be the bride of Christ. Next time you take communion, it's romantic talk. Jesus is saying, I love you. Receive the cup in love. Also, during this time, well, Jesus said in Matthew 26, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. More wedding talk. The groom, as he's adding on to the Father's house, during that whole period of time, would not have any wine until his bride arrived. It's all wedding talk. Revelation 19, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper. All wedding Can you see how baptism is like that mikvah taken by the bride? If you haven't been baptized, you can be saved without baptism. And I, I told you before, I, I feared that the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod is trying to elevate baptism over faith. My faith does not serve baptism. Baptism serves my faith. You can be saved without it. But if you haven't been baptized, pray about it, think about it. Doesn't have to be done in a formal worship service. I'll come do it in your backyard. I'll bring my own mikvah. <laughs> This week, I want you to think. Let's say, go back to your proposal. 
before you, you know, when you were engaged and not married? How did you want your future spouse to live? How does your groom, Jesus, want you to live as you wait for the groom to come, the great consummation of the marriage? Are there things that you should change? Are there things that the groom would not want you to do? Probably. He died for all those things. And he calls us to live a life of a bride. It's a great love affair. Christ gives us all to have us. And we, in response, give ourselves to him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the offertory.
give thanks this day, for as a father, for your groom, you chose us to be the bride. We give thanks for the sacrifice of your son in order to purchase and win us. We rejoice in our baptism and in the faith that you have gifted to us. We pray, help us to live lives that are worthy of what we are called, the Bride of Christ. Be with those who grieve. Be with the family and friends of Trevor Tolk. Remind them of the joy of eternity. And those facing health concerns, Greg, Amy, Jim, Michael Kahn, and Nicole, Richard Snyder, Gordon Meisel, Renia, Noah Jones, Kathleen, Michael O'Connor, Brian Layton, and those in hospice, Joe Hermada, Rosebud Roselli, and Cindy Grove's mother, Helen. We also give thanks for the flowers on the altar in celebration of Pollyann's 95th birthday, and the lectern flowers given by Tyler, Jack, and Matthew Bassett in celebration of her birthday. We'd ask your continued blessing be upon her. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you.